Men were born to lead in their homes. It was a role we were made for. In this modern society, traditional families are really under attack. Some people would have you believe that men leading the home as, as husbands and fathers an antiquated, patriarchal, right? Patriarchal concept. Well, on today's show, I'm discussing leading your family as a father and a husband with Evan Herman of the Whole Person Podcast. My name is Brent. I'm the Fallible Man. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. You're home for all things man, husband, father. Let's get into it. This is the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here's your host, the Fallible Man, Brent Dowling. Dude, that was an awesome intro. I love it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Thank you. Everyone bites the dust. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, welcome to the Valuable Man Podcast. It's great to actually put together a face with a name. I've, I've talked to you online, and uh, it's nice to actually put together a person, actually. Well, man, it's a pleasure, and thank you for your patience. For those of you that uh, don't know, he was extremely patient with me because I think I flaked on him was it once or twice? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't keep track. You know, we, we ended up making it happen. I appreciate it. I had a couple family different things come up and you were just so understandable. So thank you for knowing that that's not my character, but it's just a part of being a person right now. <laughs> at, at this point, doing podcasts, I, I've worked with people in Australia now and Great Britain and Dude, sometimes syncing up and getting on the same page is just one of the hardest things we do in the podcast world. Before we dive in today, Evan, I'm some people would call me a crappy podcast host. I've had some guests who actually prefer it, but I I read all your accolades and stuff. Before we ever get together, people don't understand there's a lot that happens behind the scenes. And I can read all your accolades and I can read all the blurbs, but it really doesn't mean crap to anybody anymore. Tell people who is Evan Herman and why are you here today? Am I saying that right, Herman? You got it. You know, I'm here today, one, because you allowed me to, so thank you. And the other aspect is, as a husband, as a follower, sorry, as a follower, as a husband, as a father, there is a, there is a cultural war against us, whether we'd like to believe it or not. And we need to stand our ground in kindness and love. And with the same hands that we love our family, be able to fight this cultural war and stand up for manhood, stand up in our families and being the individual that God has called us to be to lead our family. Dude, okay, guys, I got to tell you this story. Okay, this is really funny. <laughs> I get out of knee surgery two years ago and the nurse, as she's waking me up, you know, making sure I'm coherent, she goes, Hey, how do you feel? And I'm just shaking my head back and forth as I'm coming out of it, but it felt like I was going really quick. And I said, I feel like the flash, but don't tell Captain America because he's still my favorite superhero. She laughs and she goes, well, what's the first thing you want to eat? Like making sure I'm conscious. And she's like, you know, checking on me and I said chocolate I want chocolate <laughs> and she was laughing and I was like why is that funny she goes because most people want a burger a pizza nope chocolate I think we're like like-minded sir I, I got out of a major injury and was going through the same conversation years ago and uh, all I wanted was chunky monkey 
That's funny. Right? They're like, uh, no, we meant real food. It's like, that is real food, okay? Just, you don't understand! I'm laying here broken, just give me Chunky Monkey, alright? <laughs> so, Evan, tell us a little bit about your podcast, right? Yeah, so, it's called The Whole Person Podcast, and we focus on spiritual growth in a biblical manner in the areas of spirit, mind, and body. And those areas include faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. And so I, I am a Christian. And what I've learned is that there's a lot of good information out there in the world, in books. And at the end of the day, the thing that has helped me most is going back to my biblical roots and seeing the things in the Bible when it comes to prosperity or the things about leadership in my family or about peace. You know, there's so many areas of life that that book affects. And I just learned like, you know what, how can I grow as a whole person in a biblical way? And so that's basically the gist of the podcast. Now, I interview guests on my podcast. So it's not just me talking. Mm-hmm. And I've had some fantastic guests. I've I've interviewed um, Michael Hyatt, Angela Duckworth. You don't have to be a Christian to be on my podcast. Uh, Andy Andrews, best-selling authors. Um, my 100th episode is getting ready to come out, who I have Kevin wow. Sorbo. Yeah, Kevin Sorbo, Hercules. Wow. He's my 100th episode. Um, I know, right? Worthy, man. <laughs> just wait, just wait. I got one more for you. Okay? My most famous guest I've ever had. He let me interview him for five minutes. And it's the only time my audio ever failed. So think <laughs> of how important this person has to be to only give me five minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. And it's the wow. only time my audio failed. I, so I'm digging like, into finance. Uh, that's been a personal journey in the last year or two for me, is learning about finances. So, man, that name rings a bell hard. Right? right? How did you even land that? Um, I I was a, what do you call it? I was beta testing an app that they rolled out of his Mm -hmm. and it was for podcasting. And so I was in one of the conversations with him and no one was talking to him. And there was like 30 of us in the conversation on the app. And so I just broke the ice because everyone was kind of just talking, but Mark was there present. I'm like, okay, Mark's here. Like, let's talk to him. (laughs) And so I just started a five minute dialogue with him. And I went to audio record on my phone, like uh, screen record and audio mm-hmm. record, but it didn't record the audio. And I, ha- I had a really good five minutes from him. And I'll actually tell you one of the best pieces of advice is he, he said, he said, how do you become a whole person? I said, you're, you know, you're Mark Cuban. You have so much going on. And he goes, well, it took me a long time to become here. He goes, but I'm able to become a whole person because I lived out of balance for so long. And I was like, interesting. He focused on something in his life that would later allow him to have balance in all areas, which was business um, and growing the wealth that he wanted. Now he has the time and the freedom and he gets to choose whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so I use that as an example, like, hey, you know what? Sometimes I need to live a little out of balance towards my health so that I can be here longer and show up better for my family, show up better for my business show up better in my life. Sometimes, you know, I need to dive in a little more spiritually because I'm I'm kind of dry in that area and I, I need to spiritually lead my family. Like, and so what I've learned in this process of becoming a whole person is there's actually times that 
it's called for to live out of balance because it's going to help us actually live better in other areas. But it's not living 100% out of balance forever and learning what season you're in. And so that was, that was an amazing aha that I've never had. I'm, I'm not sure anybody who is quote unquote successful, right? And there are a lot of variations and measurements that people use to say what success really is, right? Only you can find success for yourself. But I've found very few people in the world who actually would quote unquote call themselves successful who didn't have at least a season or two or three where there wasn't a balance, right? Because if you spend your whole life trying to be balanced, you'll never be great at one thing or another because there's just not time and energy for it, right? There's only so much of you in a day. Yeah. People say there's only so much time. Well, everybody has the same 24 hours, but there's only so much of you that you can put out in a day. And so you, it's like you have to, my wife is right. It's like Olympians training for years before the games, right? There's no balance there. Right. It's nutrition and practice, nutrition and practice, right? That's all their life is for years. Uh, some of the biggest guys in the world, you know, Mark Cuban, you got to, how many, how many 20 hour days did he have before he is, right? I'm sure. What is something odd or absurd about yourself? For example, I can hear a dog whistle and it actually is like painful to me because I can hear it so acutely. Okay. Well, I'm not going to, it's not odd or, well, I guess it's odd or absurd. So it's a, it's a superpower. Okay. Okay. I have a superpower of being able to get in front of really hard individuals and famous people. Now, it doesn't work all the time, but if you look at my podcast and then how many pictures of celebrities I have from growing up as a kid, mm-hmm. and I grew up in the middle of Kansas, like, they're not coming to Kansas. I just, I, I have the superpower of getting in front of really hard people. Found right places, the right times, and life just works that way, huh? <laughs> With a little intentionality as well. Oh, that's good. As long as there's some intentionality to it. There is. There's plenty <laughs> of it. Let me ask you, because we're, we're going to like just plant some flags hard today. Evan, do you believe in traditional family structure? Yes. Is that just a, is that personal? Is that because it's biblical to you or both or? Both. It's, it's biblical. So let's, let's define this. A traditional family structure, right, as is defined most of the time, is a man, a woman, and their children. Yeah? Yeah. Now, we're, man, we're, one wife, and children. We're, we're going to piss people off, but I'm okay with that today. It's, it's time to plant some flags to the ground and, you know. Dude, I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to piss people off, I'm a great person to have on, on this show because I, I am a white, religious, conservative male. Just saying. I, I was reading your podcast and, and uh, your bio notes and it's like, yep, we're going to step on a lot of toes today. It's going to be good. Just, yeah. But just know that I absolutely love everyone and I'm not someone who shuts people out or down for having different viewpoints. So I'm not, I'm not a hater. That's one of the things that blows my mind in today's society. So we have lost the ability as a people to have conversations and have differing points of view. And go, okay, okay, that's cool. It, it doesn't change how I feel about you. It doesn't change my respect for you or that I recognize you as an individual with value. We just don't agree. 
right? We, we've lost that somewhere in society. I'm not sure how with the society that claims to love education, right? We push everybody towards college, how we lost discourse. So can I, can I share? No. So uh, one of the things is we make our beliefs and our systems an identity separate from, okay, let me, let me rephrase this. Outside of Christianity and my biblical personal views, a lot of people hold to their beliefs as doctrine and serve and worship their beliefs. And because of that, if you don't agree with these said beliefs, then you're not accepting me. And if you can't accept me, how dare you? I have to hate you now. But what they don't understand is that, as you were saying, we can have differences of opinions and still accept and love one another. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we have to accept each other's things, but we can accept each other as humans. And what that boils down to is basically creating false idols. And so we place these ideas identities in these things that if you can't agree with this, I need to reject you. And I say that as a false idol because how many times in history have we seen cultures worship false gods and build false things? And if you don't worship this, if you don't believe what I believe, not only am I going to reject you, but because I have the power and authority, I now want to kill you. And that's seeped into our culture and it's seeped into our political system because now more so in the woke crowd, if you can't agree with me, now I have to ruin your life. So it's false idols and it's a false spirit of religion. Just, just saying. No, it's, it's, you know, it's a very interesting viewpoint. And I think I'd have to percolate that one around for a while and let that roll through my head. And, and you can disagree with me at any time and you're not going to hurt my feelings. Well, and I, I don't know that I disagree with you, but that's, I mean, that's a really deep thought to process all that. Yeah. People. Uh, well, we can talk about it more if you want. Well, well, people rush into things. That, that's my thing. I actually tease my wife, who is doing a great job running the show in the background for us. And my wife takes her time to think about things. I'm a quick, quick decision kind of guy, right? I, I, I snap to judgments. I decide things. I, I'm very fast in my thought process normally. But yeah, no, I'm, she's right. I, I am a roadrunner. I just fly through. I'm quick. I'm snap judgments. And so she is a slower thinker. I don't know if you've ever done like the personality exams, right? We're on polar opposites. Oh yeah. And my wife wants to slow down and contemplate it and work it through and play all of it. I do. I just do it at a much faster rate. And so I think a lot of times we rush to, and I think it's one of the problems we rush to judgment, right? We want that. We're in that microwave society. You know what I'm talking about? Instant gratification. So we have to make instant decisions instead of actually like really percolating and weighing thoughts and, you know, doing due diligence to think about things. And again, you know, it comes into personality traits, you know, there's people who are more stoic in their thinking and pondering in some of the greatest books and theologians and historians are 
percolators. And then there's guys like you and I that like to get stuff done and we want to fly like rockets. We need both. And it's learning how to find balance and harmony. And that is an area that I've struggled in. So on the disc personality test, you have D, which is dominant, and then like the polar opposite is a C, which is, you know, very analytical. And I've had to really develop my analytical side as a person. And what's so funny about these personality tests is we think that we're stuck in these boxes. Like, okay, I'm this way, so I'm going to be this way forever. But as many people who do or don't know, I don't know, but our brains, there's plasticity in them, which means that they're moldable, they're changeable. In the title of my friend's book, Personality Isn't Permanent, we can change our personalities. Now, we're going to have specific characters and defaults in us, but we don't have to remain programmed the way we are. We can work at changing our mental programming. And so one of the things that I've done, because as a fallible man, I've really struggled in that area of being able to be analytical and critically thinking and take a longer time to process stuff. And when I find that in people, I value that so much more now because it's so difficult for me. Where 10 years ago, I'm like, dude, we're working together. You're overthinking this. Get out of my way. Let's just get this done. And then I'm really ticking this guy off. He's like, no, you're moving too fast. You could screw things up. There's that dichotomy, but learning how to function in between the two, that's the best. No, you got to learn to value the other person's positives, right? You know, Absolutely. Yeah, it really helps in marriage when you, when you <laughs> learn how to value each other. We, we've got 20 years together. In fact, uh, Dude, later, how old are you? You don't. I'm, I'm 41. Bro, you look like early 30s. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I'm 41. My body's about 85. Yeah. Ah, don't say that. Oh, yeah. You break your spine twice. You oh. a little old. <laughs> no, I, Sarah married me uh, young. We were 21 and 19 when we got married. We're on and off. We were building our relationship for a couple of years before that. And yeah, we are polar opposites on so many things, but that is one of the things I've had to learn in marriage is to try and appreciate Sarah's perspective and understand what she's bringing to it and the direction she comes at things. Cause I'm a drive it and go, just drive it and go quick decisions fast. So you were describing in your podcast summary, that you're climbing the quote unquote dream, right? You're working your way up through the, the corporate ladder onto business and finance and working to, and you had said you had lots of good mentors. So you were climbing really quickly to success, as people call it, right? And as sure. you got up there, it wasn't, it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Are you reading the right bio? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what your bio says on your uh, podcast, actually. Um, yeah. So. I think what I meant by writing that, and I'm going to have to go look at that and make sure I, I'm articulating it the way I'm thinking in my head, is, you know, we all strive for success. Mm-hmm. And as a fallible, fallible person, I look at where I am versus where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And then also where there's people and mentors and 
individuals who are famous that speak through, you know, seminars and stuff like that. And I'm like, great, I'm glad you're there. How do I get there from where I'm at? There's this disconnect between where you're at, where I want to be, and where I am and where I want to be. And I've just learned how to love myself in the process of growth and change. And it wasn't until doing that that I start seeing big strides in my life. And the other aspect too is always wanting to learn to grow and to change and being willing to be mentored by people. Like that has helped me in my career and in my business so many times. Whether that was when I sold insurance to now being a real estate agent eight years and have a broker's license. Congratulations. I know that takes some effort and time. So congratulations on that. I appreciate it. Well, I have the license. I don't have a brokerage. I, I'll be specific. Well, but you got to get the license before you can even start on the brokerage. So. Correct. Now, how did your family play into that role? Let me let me ask you first. Mm-hmm. Married? Yes. Kids? So I'm married and I have... Uh, sorry. <laughs> Counting for a second. <laughs> um, I have... A total of five children. Wow. Three boys and two angel babies. I, I thought we should quantify this. Since we are talking about like husband and father roles, we should we should quantify you you are qualified as both a husband and a father. Yes, I am. Yeah. I've been married eleven years and three boys and two angel babies. That's awesome. We're gonna roll to our sponsor real quick and we'll be right back with more from Evan Guys. Stick around. Today's episode brought to you by TheFallibleMan.com. That's right, it's us. Head over to www.TheFallibleMan.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content, and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at TheFallibleMan or at FallibleMan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our attitude swag. Shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com. We're back with Evan Herman discussing leading your family as a father and a husband. With the push to break down the traditional family, why do you believe that men should lead in their respective roles in the family still? How real and even political can I be, first of all? Legitimate. Go all the way, man. I'm going to use this as an example, okay? One of the worst organizations in our country right now is Black Lives Matter. (gasps) Why? Do you hate black people? No, I don't hate black people. Black people are amazing. I have tons of black friends. Like, I can't count. So I say that to say, why does Black Lives Matter really suck as an organization? Because one, they don't do anything to actually help black communities. But here's the thing. I started doing research on the organization and they want to destroy the nuclear family. They want to get rid of what they call the misogynistic male view in relationships, which means take fathers out of the house. And for an organization to be pro-black and say, we want to get rid of fathers, well, then they're doing that culture a disservice. 
in any culture who tries to get rid of fatherhood in the family. Because here's why. The African-American community right now is around 70% fatherless in, in, in the community, which is very staggering. Back 60 years ago, uh, it's probably more, his past, so early 60s and sooner, it was around FDR, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Around that era, they had like 80% nuclear family. But now it's flopped to where there's only like 20 to 25% nuclear family. But yet we are seeing higher incarceration rates in that community group. We're seeing higher uneducated individuals who can't graduate high school in that specific demographic. And when we look at it, it's the highest demographic of fatherlessness in the home. When you compare people who have nuclear families versus people who don't, those that have nuclear families not only are much stronger, but the children in the family are much healthier as well. And they have better advantages because you have two incomes on average versus one income or lack thereof because they're taking care of the kids, so they're on government aid. When you have nuclear family, the education aspect of that child is actually much stronger as well. Not saying that, you know, the father makes sure everything comes together because there's fathers who are in a family but non-existent, and those aren't good either. And so when you looking at fatherhood and we look at the demographics, whether it's uh, in the African-American culture or even white, Asian, whatever, you see a higher rate of incarceration without fathers in the home and you'll see less education without fathers in the home as well. And so when there's this cultural war against masculinity and men in the home, then I have to ask myself, why? Why, if they know the statistics, which they do, why do they want less educated people? Why do they want people at a higher incarceration rate. And what it comes down to is because you can control people more. If you make people dependent on you, if people are less educated, and if there's less leadership in the family and men to teach leadership and provide, you can control people a lot more. And so I'm not like this conspiracy theorist that's like, okay, the government's always out to get you. And no, I don't think like that's intentional, but that's what happens. And so as a spiritual leader of my house, it is my obligation to provide for my family. It is my obligation to take care of the safety and education of my children. And I want to make sure they're doing a good job, which means that I have to be intentional in their life. And so this war against masculinity, this term toxic masculinity, they're trying to redefine what masculinity is. And it's complete BS. And when we lose that, we lose the things that help us grow and dare I even say, draw us closer to God. Because men, supposed to be the protectors. Men are supposed to lead their house spiritually. Men are supposed to be an example 
of God the Father in their house. We're on to the question of the show. Guys, do you think men should step up and lead by example as a husband or father and or father? Or is that a thing of the past? I want you to guys to comment whether you're listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube. I check all my comments personally. I respond to almost all of them unless you're trying to sell porn because YouTube is littered with that junk. <laughs> I pop up a video and delete the first four comments because they're all porn advertisements. Right. Do you think men should step up and lead by example as husbands and fathers? Or is that an antiquated thing at this day and age, in your opinion? Comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Evan, are you familiar with the concept of servant leadership? Yes, very much so. So in your opinion, do you think that this is the kind of leadership that a husband or father should exhibit when leading their family? Well, yeah, 100%. And and then there's other times that it's going to look different. You know, we can't paint this into a box that this is how it has to look because God has created men differently. He's created relationship dynamics differently. But at the end of the day, God has called us to be like Jesus to our spouses and our family. And Jesus washed the feet of the disciple. Jesus came to serve and not be served. There are a lot of different ideas about what a husband and father look like. There are toxic things as well. Or I have a friend who's like, no, I'm not ever going to cook. No, I'm not. That's the woman's job. Like, look, dude, I cook. I clean. I wash my kids. I bathe my kids. I am involved in everything that goes on in my house. I'm not a dictator. I lead by example. And if I need to teach my family something, if I need to teach my children something, I best be able to be able to do it or be willing to do it. And so that's what servant leadership looks like. And then there's other times where I'm going to just have to tell my kids like, no, you go do this. Told you to do it before. And there's times where you have to step up and be a little more, oh, what's the word? Gruff? If, If that's a good word, like, no, you're whining. Listen. And just lay down the law. And here, here's another thing, too, that is probably going to get me in trouble with <laughs> the feminazis. <laughs> oh, I love to that term. God bless your soul, Rush. I miss you. Um, there are moments in marriages, and I'm sure you have experienced this, Brent and Sarah, that you've laid down like, nope, we disagree and we're doing it my way. And I don't pull that card that often. Because if you pulled that card every single time, then that's just egotistical. You need to know when to use it. But there have been moments in our lives where I looked at my wife and I said, my loving wife, I disagree, and we're doing it my way because I said so. Because I think this is what's best for our family. And it's on me if I'm wrong. 
to try and make a long story short, we had seven financial hits in 2018. We had four ER bills, two surgeries, a lost pregnancy, and we lost both of our vehicles in a span of 48 hours, like a car wreck and then a breakdown on the other one. So we had no car and like zero finances. We both worked, but I made a decision not to go into debt. I put my flag in the ground. I said, no more. And then the shit hits the fan. And that was the world's way of like, do you really? Do you really believe in no more debt? And my wife's like, hey, look, we just need another car. And I said, no. No. I'm, no, we're not going into more debt. And in a matter of a week, the insurance company, hey, you know what? We're going to give you a rental. And that rental lasted a month, month and a half until we got our car back. That was in the wreck, which was great. Now we had one car. But then around that time, uh, we had a family member that was going out of state for half a year and let us borrow a car. And so we borrowed another one for about six months. And in that time, we saved up and we bought a car debt-free. And when I stuck my flag in the ground, I said, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I believe that there's a better outcome than debt. And because of that, we aren't in debt because of it. And that was a catalyst for me to get my student loans paid off. It was the catalyst for us to pay off our storm shelter. It was the catalyst to pay off that uh, Prius that I had. And I think we paid off about $30,000 of debt in a year and got two new vehicles to ourselves. Like We just become outrageously blessed. But it all came from doing what I felt like God told me to do financially. And I followed his rule and I followed his leading and it was different than what my wife wanted at first. And it turned out being one of the greatest blessings that we'd ever seen in our life. It's, it's interesting that you say, you know, you put your flag in the ground. When you lead your family in a servant leadership style most of the time and you told you said it right it's servant hit like you're the first one to get hit <laughs> right when when you lead that and I, I i always laugh when people get to the whole like marriage ceremony and they're like yeah but we're not gonna put the whole wife shall honor and obey because it's like yeah you understand obedience isn't something that comes from authoritarianism obedience is an act of love because you are choosing to obey because you believe that your spouse has the best interest at heart, that they are putting you and your relationship and your marriage as a whole first and foremost. That right. is the biggest priority. When you lead in that style all the time in your home. Can I share a story? Yeah. Guarantee you, if I didn't lay the gauntlet down at least twice, my wife and I would be dead. Like I can assure you, once for sure, maybe even two times. It was newly married, and my wife wanted like our our marriage was pretty rocky for the first three years. <laughs> like, like it, it was. Ugh. 
she put up with a lot, and so did I. And it was by God's grace we made it through. But I remember, like, at a very rocky week to, like, help heal and reconcile and, like, have some fun, we decided to go camping, pack the car, and as we're walking out the door to leave, I get this, Evan, don't go in my spirit. And I told my wife, hey, I really don't think we're supposed to go. And this was not one of her best moments in reacting. And she was extremely upset. It caused fighting for about eight or nine hours. And then she became really grateful really quick. Because guess what? There was a tornado in the campground we were going to. Fast forward several years, we were supposed to go to a cousin's wedding. I just didn't, I didn't have peace. Now, she didn't really fight me on this one, but I just didn't have peace about going. So I chose not to go. I'm not kidding. On what would have been our drive home, there were two separate tornadoes at different parts where we would have been, like I did the math, at said time we would have been in this location or this location and we had a chance to get hit by two tornadoes on the way back had we gone. I live in Oklahoma. <laughs> There's tornadoes. Tornadoes everywhere. I'm a Southern Missouri boy, so I, I totally get it. Yeah. And so, but not just that, that, that's happened multiple times in our life. And so, you're right. Like, it's not this authoritarian, I'm a man, I have something over you, woman, line up and submit. It is not that. Because remember, Christ laid down his life for the church, his bride. And he calls us to do the same for our family. So don't think for one second that this is an authoritarian thing that I have an upper hand in my relationship because I don't. I'm the one called to die in the relationship. When we do come into disagreements, several things happen. We pray. We talk things through. And then if I feel really strongly, we'll normally go with what I'm feeling and feeling like God's speaking to me about. If she feels really strongly and I don't really like, ah, I kind of like this idea better, but you know, then we'll go with hers. It's learning how to discern. And then there's sometimes like, you know what? I've got to make a few decisions more so recently. And you know what? If you just have this preference more, let's just go with that because I want to serve and honor you. And so it's learning how to work in partnership with your spouse and then also understand like when you need to lead, even if it's not going to be fun. Evan, what is next for Evan Herman? I'm actually um, creating a ministry right now called Evangelism Now. 50% of people in the church don't know about the Great Commission. Millennials, 50% of Christian millennials think evangelism, meaning spreading the gospel on purpose, is wrong. So therefore, I'm taking up the mantle of being an evangelist and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God, who came down from his deity of Jesus in heaven to become man on earth and to take our sins upon himself sacrificially so that we could have everlasting life with God. 
because sin separates us from God. God does not separate us from him. Sin separates us from God. Therefore, when we have the opportunity to choose God who died for our sins and reject that, therefore we reject God, not that God sends us to hell for sinning. So what's next for Evan <laughs> is to teach the church that it's okay to spread the gospel and then to go across America and share the love of Jesus and tell people that he's coming back and he loves you and he wants you a part of his family. And he died for that. Now people can find you here at the whole person podcast website. It is www.thewholepersonpodcast.com. Easy enough to remember. The guys, you can go here for Evan's podcast. Is there anywhere else they can find you, Evan? You can find me on every social platform. Uh, Facebook is my go-to. And if you want to call me, my number is 918-625-7073. My email is evan at evanherman.com. I am super easy to get a hold of. So if you want to hate on me, just call me and then I love on you. It depends on how bad you were to me. I may or may not block your number. Guys, we're at a point in the world where you can't sit on the sidelines anymore. You're going to have to make a choice and plant your flag on what you believe. Now, you can believe what Evan believes or what I believe, or you can have totally different beliefs and we can have a dialogue and a conversation. And that's fine. We don't all have to agree on everything. As long as we keep com having conversations, that's how we move forward. That's how we get past the hate and the nastiness that's in the world right now. But we need to keep having these dialogues. But you need to find what you believe and plant that flag. We believe that men are meant to lead their homes. They're meant to be leaders as fathers and as husbands. And that is what we've tried to share with you today on this podcast. Well, and here's, here's the real issue. Politics isn't going to be the place where it's done. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Nothing's done in politics. No, <laughs> never. And what I'm about to say, okay, I want y'all to hear me, hear me, hear, hear me this, hear me now. We are moving away from Democrat versus Republican. We are now entering in a phase of life where things are speeding up more rapidly, good versus evil. And I'm not talking about like one political party is good and the other one's evil. There's good and evil in every area and facet of life. But evil is making its mark and being shouted from the rooftops. And we need to stand against it. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. The only thing necessary for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us. Go check out the whole part person podcast with Evan Herman. And uh, it, he does a lot of business on that as well. I do. Yeah. It, uh, a lot of business. I, I've read a lot of the reviews. You have some really glowing reviews. You have some really dedicated fans, man. So you're putting out some good stuff over there. I'm actually glad we didn't stick to business over here. Thank you for having this conversation with me. It's been time. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. Be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you next time. Take care. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.